Noiros. We are back for another week of Out of the Podcast. Gentlemen, Joey, Mr. Dan. How are you, Dan? I am doing okay. How are you? Do you like that these names are sticking? I, I see that you're trying to, and I think it's good. <laughs> <laughs> you could drop yours, but I will remain a gentleman. Yeah, I think I saw that you changed it on, I think it was on one of your social media. Things, I'm all, like, pretty much all over. All of them? Okay. I, I had, an, I had an epiphany uh, recently that it was this is my next phase as a gentleman. You kind of woke up to this moment. Truly. It's like, you know, this is the time. Yeah. All right. I'm okay with it. It felt right. No, I'm, I'm glad you did it. I'm glad. I, I like Thank it. you. I know. I know you have always felt like something's missing. We kind of all have. <laughs> and and that, that missing part's now, now here. It's now I'm, found. I'm no longer a worm. I have cocooned into a butterfly, my friend. <laughs> exactly. Caterpillar. I yes. Couldn't, I couldn't conjure caterpillar, and I... <laughs> I, I knew what you meant. Yeah, but I was like, ah, fucking worm, you know? Like, a caterpillar's yeah. a little classier. They're better than a worm. You don't put them on a fish hook. No, I wouldn't. Are you a fisherman? I am not. I, I did a little bit when I was very young, but it did not take. How about you? Same. I, very, very similar. You know, the old man definitely was pushing it. And, you know, there's some some good times in the early days. I caught a catfish once in Vermont. Oh, wow. That was a big deal. Uh, yeah, I mean, I even just got an oh wow from you. So I was gonna say, I was like, that is, I'm learning something. I think new it's about just you. catfish sounds so fucking exotic, and they, I mean, they are. They're they, they're crazy. They got those whiskers. Yeah, I also like. Where did you find? Where did you find this catfish? Like, where were you fishing that? I was I was uh, 93 on vacation in Vermont on a houseboat with the family. Wow. And this was houseboat fishing. That's that's quite a trip. We saw a League of Their Own in a movie theater. I remember that. I love that movie. It was a good time. Rewatched it recently. It uh, it mostly it's, holds up. It's, it's great. A, it's a little hokey, but I think it's it's you know that movie is Hank's like the, Rules though. Yeah, is oh, that oh. his last like hilarious performance? No, nah, uh, that thing you do. Okay, which is <laughs> great because at least he put himself in that position too. You know, as a exactly. Character. Yeah, I mean that's like that's like kind of his his that was his baby. Um, because I I have the same you know the same feeling like I do with Cranston as I previously mm-hmm. mentioned. Like I want a funny Hanks. I love funny Hanks. I love Dragnet. You remember Dragnet from the eighties? One of my all time favorite movies. Him and Aykroyd, dude. That movie is so VHS. underrated. And they just put out a blue of it, I believe, last year. I pre-ordered that the minute I saw yeah, it. I've been, yeah, I've been waiting same. for that. Because I, I remember I had just like, brought up, like, dude, Dragnet. I was ready to buy the blue, and there was none. And then I didn't have to wait like a month, and it came up. Tom Hanks so is thankful. amazing in that movie. I'm glad that yeah. that was like the one movie that you brought up, because that is that is one of my favorite movies. I think that's his most hilarious role, personally. Oh, uh, yeah. He shines in that movie. He, he sure. shines. And just like, and Aykroyd as the straight man, but like, yes. but he does it hilariously, because Aykroyd is, you know at that time was brilliant great cast christopher Plummer's in it uh yeah it's just really yeah um oh what's that old lady's name older lady uh, the one with the deep voice are you talking about the police commissioner yes i have a story about her really yeah that's very specific and and i should know her name like off the bat yeah i i can't think i can't think of her name but i I, I mean i've seen that movie like like i said i had on vhs as a kid and i I used to watch it all the time i think partially because i watched the tv show growing up um so like yeah, um, I really enjoy that, and in the same way that like, like the Brady Bunch, like I love the Brady Bunch, and then I love the movies. You know, the like the the ninety. That first ones. one at least was good. The second one, I'm a little less warm too. I like I like that one a lot. I, Fair I enough. Have, it's I been a, a minute since I revisited it, but as a as a young fan, that one didn't do anything to me. Uh, did you watch the Dragnet uh, remake with Ed O'Neill and Ethan Embry? 
I did okay. not. I remember that being a thing, but I didn't watch it. Was you remember good? Dutch? Did you see Dutch? I remember Dutch. That yes. must have been so wild, those two getting back together after all that time, <laughs> like as partners. I didn't see it, but I mean, I like that pairing. I like Ed O'Neill. Uh, Ed O'Neill is quite, quite an actor. First in mind to play Al Swearingen on Deadwood. Really? Yeah. You like Deadwood? Deadwood? I've never uh, watched it. Dude, that's my favorite show of all time. Please is watch really? Deadwood. Please watch Deadwood. You okay. love it. All right. I'll have to. That, that's HBO, right? It's an HBO. Yeah, okay. yeah. I have the blue. You're welcome to borrow it. Right. Uh, and they wrapped it up with the movie recently, and it's it's beautiful. Deadwood, we gotta, we, Deadwood, the movie, the movie. Yeah, <laughs> dude, we got to talk Deadwood. Okay, I'll I'll have to I'll have to add that to the, my list of uh, TV the most shows I need to watch. Beautiful show ever created. I will I will definitely check that out. Uh, Elizabeth Ashley is okay. the lady from Dragnet. I worked at a bed and breakfast uh, briefly in Connecticut, and she stayed there one time. And she was like smoking in the room and everything. She's very deep voice. She's only gotten deeper. Mm. And um, I'm there. And all of a sudden I hear a thud. And she and then goes, ah! <laughs> and she'd fallen out of bed. And it was just like, oh my God. And I'm like creeping up these stairs because I'm uh-huh. down below. And she's staying in the Monroe room. This room was famous because uh, Marilyn Monroe and Arthur Miller stayed there. That's my uh, my birthday buddy. We were born on the same day. There you go. Arthur Miller born, uh, lived no, in Connecticut. Mar- no, Marilyn, Marilyn, Marilyn Monroe. Monroe. Oh, even With, better. Yeah. Forgive me. Yeah. Yes. A real star here. Yes. So she was staying in the Monroe room, which was the nicest room other than the Kennedy room, mm-hmm. which uh, Kennedy's parents had stayed at. Mm-hmm. Possibly Kennedy, too. I don't, I don't remember the spiel. It's been a minute. It was Jamie so she, Kennedy, right? Of course, yeah. The Jamie, <laughs> the Kennedy, Jamie room. Kennedy room. Yeah, and that's where you would get the Jamie Kennedy experience if uh, yes. you were with a lover. <laughs> um, but she fell, she groans so crazily in a way I'll never forget. And then like, I'm like, oh my God, is she dead? There's no sound. And I'm creeping up the stairs like, are you okay? And then thankfully, like her assistant like popped out and like handled it. Mm-hmm. It was crazy. I, I was hoping that somewhere in that, I mean, that, that is a great story, but I was, hoping, right. I, was, I was hoping that like the first thing I just thing have an did, Elizabeth Ashley story, which I'm sure nobody has. Nobody has. Nobody um, has. I was just hoping you would like accosted her about Dragnet, like like of all things. I was so done, ready like... to because that that was the first thing that came to mind. She's been in plenty of stuff too, uh, but yeah, I love Dragnet so much, especially as a kid. Uh, yeah, I Great feel movie. like it's mostly famous these days for the Dragnet rap, which is good. It's the best. Oh, that song's amazing. Credits ever, but you gotta watch the movie. There's like Satanists in it. It's pa- paganism. It's, it's so good. It it's amazing. I believe Ackroyd had a hand in the script as well. Probably. Yeah. I, I would I would not doubt that. I, I he's a fascinating guy, like as a writer, like what he what he brought to the table. It always needed refining, but he definitely had that initial spark for sure. Yeah, I mean, it, it, if nothing else, I mean, other I, than Doctor Detroit, right? Which you had brought up in an earlier episode, and I, I love Doctor. I had heard of, and as soon as I heard him, like I forgot to follow up on uh, on Doctor Detroit. Yeah, that's a good time. I love Doctor Detroit. Yeah, I mean, There's I'm a just a big... that recently, wasn't there? Yes, uh, Shout Factory also put that as well. That was also an instant pre-order for me. Yeah, Shout Factory um, killing it all the time. That one, and, and I think, to shout. Shout out to Shout Factory, <laughs> and I think my probably like one of my I would consider maybe underrated of of Ackroyd's movies is um is probably Spies Like Us. Like I feel like it doesn't always get brought up in the attention, but him and Chevy Chase I think are great in that. Like as a pairing, um, I think it just works really well. I'm just a big I think fan the pairing movie. is great. Uh, I'm not necessarily a fan of that movie or John Landis, one of the biggest scumbags to ever exist, but uh, it's okay. Yeah, he seems like that. I mean, I, I, I'm not necessarily trying to equate it to that. I mean, I know it's hard to remove him from that equation, but as far as the movie goes, I, I like Especially that. by that point, he had murdered those children by then, I think. Did he? In, in Twilight Zone, the movie. 
Do you not know the backstory of John Landis? No. Dude, Twilight Zone, the movie, uh, he killed uh, an older actor. Hold on, I gotta look. Are you talking about the, oh, is it like um, Jennifer Jason Lee? Lee's father, father. yeah. Father, yes. I know, and I two did, children I... at midnight, they were filming way past when they should have been. Uh-huh. And a helicopter accident happened. An explosion hit too close. A helicopter got distracted. The pilot got distracted. And it like... I didn't realize it was John Landis. I oh, yeah, it was John connection. Landis. Oh, I'm, yeah. Okay, I didn't make that connection. Fascinating Eddie Murphy interview uh, from Playboy, like, in the 90s. I was just mm-hmm. reading about... Actually, I think even last night popped up on the old viral world. Uh-huh. Like, where he just was... He hired him for coming to America kind of as an old favor to him mm-hmm. from uh, Trading Places. Right. And he was like such a dickhead to him, and he said that like Eddie Murphy should have come to the trial to like his defense. And yeah. I mean, I, I like coming to America, but I, I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. And, and uh, coming to America is totally Eddie Murphy's brilliance alone. It's got nothing to do with Landis. Oh yeah, that's a movie that I revisit pretty often, and and that that sequel I, coming to soon. I saw that. I watched the trailer, and I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. We'll revisit that here on, on the cast. Uh, yeah. I, curious i'm down for the ride but i'm not expecting to love it but no it's possible did you see like uh the it's been a couple years now but the newest peewee that netflix did i loved that one that was amazing i was very surprised by that one yeah that's like i like it better than big top oh yeah i don't don't like big top at all like i I mean peewee's big adventures is is great i love that movie but like yeah yeah, big top i was never really big into um growing up but um but yeah no i agree and even uh, with Eddie Murphy, that, that uh, Dolomite movie was really good, too. Yes. No, um, I think he's, he's in the yeah. right place. That, uh, that's another reason why I'm excited right now. Yeah, he's, I feel like he's, he's definitely like... He's yeah, kind of reconnected. Uh, right. He's got that comedy special that has been threatening us for a little bit now. Yeah. So he's back on the, uh, on the upswing of... Uh, I'm, I'm down for that. I love Eddie Murphy. Yeah, totally. I mean, I even had been flipping through and, and one of those like clumps was on and, you know, I'm, I'm a little older and a little softer. I can, you know, less of a critic and can take a good time. And I'm laughing my ass off. I'm, I'm totally down. I think it's, it, I mean, I don't want to necessarily blame it because I feel like a lot of things get blamed on it, but I think the pandemic might have something to do with that. I think you, you tend to be like a little bit more, you know, something that really is like this idea of like escapism. Like, I think it's sure. just like, it's the nostalgia of it. Like, I remember seeing those movies in the theater, like, you know, kind of puts you at a time and place, but it's also just like, you know, humor that you're just like, you kind of, well, turn, of your, turn your brain off and that it is and that, that for it. sure. Yeah. Uh, because I never really touched him. I did like maybe, I don't know if I even did the second Nutty Professor, but definitely the first one. Oh, I was all in on all of those when, when, when they were the theaters. Yeah. Yeah. See, I, I missed and the Austin out. Powers movies. I, I saw every Austin Powers I, movie. We theater. do know of your love of Austin Powers. I do uh, love Austin Powers. You yes, watch the, the uh, Avengers at all, the TV show from I the do 60s? Not. You should check that out. I should. Uh, it's once you see that you're like wow austin powers took so much from this oh yeah i could i could see that i know i know about it but i've never i never sat and watched it but yeah i know i love that 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 had to be an influence on that for sure watch that too but not before deadwood okay so deadwood first avenger second it's actually a great follow-up i think that's a (laughs) great great pairing yeah totally (laughs) all right i'm looking forward to that uh, I have to do a retort on a previous episode, uh, a little less researched in those early episodes, but I saw uh-huh. a tweet recently from the, uh, one of these kind of old Hollywood accounts, the Tinseltown Twins. Okay. Uh, at Tinseltown Twins, I believe. Shout out to them. But uh, the star of Detour committed a murder. Not Ann Savage. What's the other one? Tom Neal. Tom Neal. He committed a murder. He did. This should have come up in the episode. I just, I think I was so ensconced in the movie because i love the movie so much and i yeah. feel like we just kept talking and talking and, I and knew, it was our first episode right. you know i didn't get to it but oh no i knew that i knew but, i knew that 
he went on a weird trajectory in his life. Yeah, he had, that he had a, that needed to come up. I'm so sorry. Yes, we should have like a little like corrections si- episode. Yeah, like or even just like a side a side note about that one. You know, yeah. just of saying like, hey, by the way, this is it. This is the by the way, uh, Tom Neal kind of a piece of shit. We'll have by the way by Red Hot Chili Peppers playing. Yeah, uh, oh yeah, totally. As the soundtrack song. We got the money for that. <laughs> <laughs> all all of our budget will go to the licensing of that song. Yeah, oh yeah. Uh, budget fornication right <laughs> i'm glad i'm glad that got in there but yeah no, i'm, dark I'm glad passage? Well, yeah I'm, I'm ready for dark passage are you wait are you done being glad did you have something else to be glad about no i i'm i'm glad that we talked i was gonna say i'm glad we talked about uh tom neal because we, yes. we I, I i i do i do remember that we did not talk about it we were remiss you know it yes. just it was it was like we were saying it was the pilot you know a little less researched at that point kind of you just know, coming together, our, our we're flow, figuring it yeah. out, you know, like we're, we're, we keep it loose over here. We try. And I think we've kind of found the loose format, you know, like the yeah. uh, the format is that it's loose. Exactly. That is Maybe. a format. Oh, yeah. I have something to be glad about. What's that? Dark Passage. Man, am I glad this about movie this movie. fucking rules so <laughs> much. Yes. This movie is so great. Uh, awesome. I can't. I was going to try to be as stone-faced as possible. Dan, before the podcast, was trying to get this out of me, and I would not give it because, yeah, I, you could tell, like, what is someone going to think of this movie because it is I was so nervous. bonkers, but it is such a fucking great ride. Awesome. I loved it. I loved it so much. Uh, this might be the best uh, Bogey Pakal. I think it's definitely like I don't want to keep using the phrase underrated, but I think it's probably their most underrated because at the time it didn't it do very well. It did yes. not do very well. Um, well, I, it's it's definitely uh, you know you, you guys aren't ready for this, but your kids are gonna love it. Uh, exactly. I think over time, yeah, this one and like even for me, like I think I mentioned it to you when we were talking took you about a couple the times, right? Yeah, yeah. That like I'd seen it a bunch of times, but it didn't click at first for me. Like or I like parts of it, but I, I kept going back to it. And the more I went back to it, the more I was like, wow, this is really awesome. You watched it last night, right? Like I did. I watched it last yes. Night. I basically did that. I, I went to sleep around eight o'clock because I was a little sleepy from the day. I'm like, I'm going to take a nap. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden it was 3 a.m. And you must be lonely. And I was. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Dan, I'm dying inside. Come on now. <laughs> Don't bring the tears. Uh, okay. It's 3 a.m. I'm like, kind of like, all right. But, you know, honestly, 3 a.m. is my favorite time for noir movies. If you're awake enough, it, it's always like a great, like, all right, I'm up. Let me put one of these on. And it, oh, yeah. I, I, I don't know why, you know, because it's that time you're in the shadows, you're living it. It's you're in the zone. I right, got a little whiskey. This was a whiskey episode. Uh, and, I, and I knew like this movie's kind of controversial. Dan said it took him a couple times. Like, oh boy, here we go. I'm not the biggest Bogey and, and Bacall fan. I don't hate him, but you know, there's just. Not great, but you know what? I, I am now. This was the movie. that it, I, I loved it. Holy shit. This movie <laughs> starts with the POV, right? Point of view. Right. Yep. And, you're, and you're just waiting. All right. Yeah. All right. <laughs> you hear his voice. You hear, you his, hear voice. his voice. I, I can't even. I, I have to spoil it. It's an hour before you see him. It's so brilliant. They, it's an hour. You're kind of like at first you're just like, this is cool. It's going to be like maybe five minutes of this. That's so interesting. But then as the plot unravels and you see why they're doing it and it's expertly handled, expertly it, handled. It makes total sense. And and I, I, I heard that Jack Warner hated it. He yes. was like, why am I paying all this money for, for Bogey? We don't see him till like the very end of the movie. I it's get like, it, I, but- I get it, but-, but Yeah, it but works. exactly. And it, and it was too late for them to do anything about it. And 
God bless him, director Delmer Daves. Great name. Love that name. Uh, he had, uh, this was one of his early directed movies, mm-hmm. but he would do some big ones, uh, Broken Arrow and 310 to Yuma, which is a big one. He did Jubal, which is a good, uh, nice little Western that uh, Criterion yes, put out. Yes, that was right ago. before 310 like to Yuma, yeah. actually, uh, the year before. Yeah, he's a great Western director. Mm-hmm. Did you do any other noir films that you know of? I, I do not. I don't think so. I know he did some war movies. I, yeah. I, I don't recall any other noirs off the top of my head. But And this I, is another, although it's, you know, kind of like questionably noir, but, but mostly noir. I mean, like, yeah. it, 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 there's loose, it's more that the questions are loosely there, but it's, it's mm. I, I way more consider this a noir than our, our last film, Laura. Uh, yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. Like, I, I've, I've read sources that say, like, oh, you know, quintessential film noir, and I've read sources say, like, oh, it's a, you know, mystery thriller or something like that, and you get, like, you know, obviously it it's not a thriller. interpretation. It is so thrilling. Is. I love this movie. Uh, and I think, cool. like you said, the point of view works so well for this movie. I think in comparison, like, I mean, obviously the first, you know, thought process I have in the same year that came out is Lady uh, in a Lake, which is, uh, you know, another point of view film noir, and I don't think it very it works so well in that movie, but in this movie, I think it lends itself well. I think no, it, it was it was it wasn't a new device, but this was definitely the best it had been done, and, and kind of even still, I, I POV shots are tough. It's, yes, I don't find that they're that well done most of the time, and there there's not a reason to do it. That this actually found a reason to do it. Right, and the actors have to really play to the camera too. I mean, they're not—you yes. know what I mean? Like they're not playing to another actor necessarily; they're playing to the camera. And I feel like that has to, you know, present a challenge. You know, oh, totally. Um, so yeah, I, I give them credit. I think it's it, they pull it off well, and I think part of it probably has to do with just the—I have to say it in general—the the locations are fantastic. I mean, you know, I'm a huge San Francisco lo- locale and, and film fan, but um, this I brings just up love one the of locations. my questions. I uh, love the locations. This is. Is San Francisco, this is one of my notes, is San Francisco the best noir city? Yes. Yes, I, I, I think agree. so. I, I think some of the best noirs are filmed there. Um, I mean, there's a reason that so many were. I mean, it's yeah, kind of an obscure city, especially at that time. Yeah, I mean, even like, not necessarily, like I wouldn't necessarily cast it as, as noir, but I think about like Hitchcock when he uses it in Vertigo. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I, I think it's just a great locale. I, I think it just has so much going on. And there, like, it start, like visually, there's so much, that you can use to your advantage for filming. And I think it's, it's great. And you really see it, like I said, in this movie, I mean, everything down to like her building, which I think is like one of my favorite building set design, like everything about Irene, which is uh, played by Lauren Bacall. I love the, like the, the streamlined like elevator uh, that's yes. like the glass and everything like that. And in her apartment with like the stairs and the way they go up, just like everything about about it i i just love and that's a real building like, like it's an art go- deco the art deco apartment building it's at uh, 1360 montgomery street in san francisco and it's still there uh it's marked with a cardboard cutout of humphrey bogart yes can be seen from that. the street yeah yeah i i uh, i google i google mapped it uh to take a look at it right before because I, I think i looked at it before because i just i love it and i was curious to see like how it looks like today versus back then and and you know things have changed but a lot of it still looks Pretty similar. I mean, I yeah. think a lot, of, a lot of that stays stays true, and I, I love that. I mean, I, that definitely would be like a trip I'd like to make. Sometimes. I was going to say, is that a pilgrimage for us? Are oh, we going to yes. do a, a live episode from San Francisco? I would love it. I mean, from the corner, I would love, I, I would love that. I think that'd be so cool. I've always wanted to go to San Francisco. I've never been. I've been to, I've been to L.A., um, but I've never been to San Francisco. So that would be a, a trip love. San Francisco. Uh, well, I used to live in Portland for a couple of mm-hmm. years, and uh, that was thankfully not too far away. Not too was, far. 
it was basically a um like a drive to chicago i would say maybe a little less honestly yeah yeah, um, yeah. I've been to Portland. That's probably the other closest side. I've been, I've been around it, but not not actually in San Francisco. I've been hovering around it. Um, but I lo- I love San Francisco. Always had a good time there. Yeah, man. Shout out San Fran. Shout out San Francisco. I feel like a lot of people left San Francisco though. It's a different city. They say. As is Portland. Yeah, Portland's definitely changed a lot for sure. Yeah. As is Philadelphia at this point. I'm watching it change. It's crazy. Yeah, man. Change is just everywhere, I suppose. The only the only thing that's constant is change. <laughs> they do say that. Yeah. Uh, Vincent Perry. Oh wait, wait. There is one one thing I wanted to say. Uh, the writer of the the book that it was based on. Yes. Which was serialized. David Goodis. Mm-hmm. He actually in '63 the television show The Fugitive mm-hmm. came about, which is the story of Richard Kimball who was accused of killing his wife. They remade it with Harrison Ford and Tommy Lee Jones in the '90s. And then U.S. Marshals. Uh, yeah, yes, of course. Then U.S. <laughs> Marshals. I love that movie. Of course, a whole other podcast. But basically, it's very similar to the plot of this movie. And uh, Goodest sued ABC and United Artists TV for five hundred thousand dollars alleging copyright infringement. Wow! But then he died during the lawsuit. The estate had kind of taken it on. Mm-hmm. Uh, his brother had also ended up dying, and so at this point, it was the case only had quote nuisance value and they accepted $12,000 to settle the matter. But um, it still was regarded as a landmark decision in intellectual property rights and copyright law. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, David Goodis also wrote, wrote uh, Nightfall. You ever seen Nightfall? I've heard of it. I heard that he wrote the book. I don't know a whole lot about it. Yeah. Nightfall is great. We'll have to get to that. That's uh, directed by Jock Turner who did out of the past. Out of the past. Yeah. And uh, cat people. And cat people. I don't think we, I mean, yeah, Cat People's not noir enough for us to even really touch. That, that one walks that'll, the line. That'll that be a later line. episode if it happens. That's when we do our, 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 our is, is Val Luton, uh, are his films noir uh, yes. in, in varying degrees. But that's a later, you, later Is episode. that 2023, you think? Episode 23? Uh... No, I mean tw- the year 2023. Oh, that's when we're going to do the episode? Do you think it'll be that point by the time we get there? Yeah, probably. <laughs> or do you, would you like to bump it up to episode 23? Do you want to book episode 23 right now? What episode are we in right now? <laughs> uh, we're on six. So, six? So yeah. yeah, you ready to jump to 23? Yeah, I feel like that that might be it. I, we'll keep it open. I'll keep it all open. Right, we'll now. keep it open. All right. All right. Uh, we'll see if we remember. Yeah. I'll probably forget. I'm sure I'll forget. Or we'll just do the movie number 23. Yeah, we could do that. We could do that. We could, <laughs> we, we could do a lot of things. It's all, it's all up in the air. It's all open. All right, guys, let's get into the plot of this thing. I think that's most of my fun facts that I instead of the ones I'll bring along the way. Uh, Vincent Perry, uh, at this point, just voice acted by Humphrey Bogart. Mm-hmm. He's convicted of killing his wife and he escapes from San Quentin prison. In a, in a barrel that, in like, a, falls, that falls. falls. And at one point, it looks like there's someone in that barrel. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. No, there was. Yeah. The poor stuntman was like, hey, you got to get in that barrel. I want to know what they were for. Like or they, they all threw had a fucking San... bogey in a barrel. Who knows? Well, they had they all said San Quentin prison on them, and they're all in this giant flatbed truck that has like you know the they have railings on it. But I'm like, what were they for, and why are they leaving, and how did he get into it? Like I just have so many questions. I mean, I get that we're not maybe supposed to know. We're supposed to just you know take guesses, but that that in itself, I'm just like, okay. You, you think those barrels it? are a prequel to the film Men at Work? I hope so. I, I love that movie. That's, that's kind like, of my number one barrel movie. I think. 
I think if there was ever a movie that could be a number one barrel movie for me, it would have to be that movie because I feel like it's such a. This big is part number of the two plot. now. Yes, I would put yeah. the, I would put this at number two. Yeah, because I mean, Man at Work is like that's like the you know the staple of those movies and probably the apex that yeah. We'll ever it's get actually to. crazy how many lists Man at Work ends up on. Like you know, best garbage man movie, best movie directed and written by Emilio Estevez. Yeah, best. <laughs> And acted uh, in. Yeah, definitely. I was going to say maybe best with him and Sheen, but I do love a Young Guns as well. Yeah, that's a tough one. But I think Men at Work is just, I feel like we've talked about it before, but I, that's just like one of my favorite like cult movies. I just, it's that, a great that, like, time. You can watch it anytime and it's just, it's, it's a good ride. It makes you think of uh, Dark Passage. I, yeah. I mean, <laughs> now, now I'm, now I'm going to think about it. Yeah. Dude, the barrels for sure, man. That yeah, and man. Donkey Kong, right? Yeah. <laughs> the, the top three barrels. <laughs> We found it. The top we found it. Uh, so he pops out from the barrel, and he's he, this is the only kind, of, one of the only times you see like his body, but it's very shadowed. Mm-hmm. Um, and he ends up hitching a ride with a motorist named mm-hmm. Baker. He asks him a lot of questions. Yes, he does. Where are you from? Arizona. Whereabouts in Arizona? Maricopa. Very fancy seat cover you got here. That's a piece of a carnival tent. You know, it seems to me you'd be more sunburned not wearing a shirt than you are. As I was saying, you ought to be more sunburned. How come you're not? Lose your shirt? Why are you going to Frisco? Hey, what is this, a quiz program? Stop this jalopy and let me out. I'll hit you another ride. Uh, immediately, where it's just, and he's just like, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> I yeah, know I'm like, escaping so, jail so and everything, now. but I'm out of here. And so he beats him unconscious, and he... he he takes his leave, uh, and then immediately he gets picked up by Irene Jansen. Well, I think we should mention that, you know, the reason, because his questioning, his line of questioning starts to get specific, questioning his clothes. Yes, and, he, and, like, he gives him once from. over. Right, yeah. in a way, rightfully so. He's looking over the man he's picked up hitchhiking. He's not wearing an overshirt. He just has his, like, undershirt on, uh, which yeah. at the time, you know, probably would have been a little bit suspicious, and he had, like, prison pants. So well, Yeah, because even at one point, he gets questioned in the uh, the diner, between Hitchin and Diner. We're, we're still bringing them to you, folks. We found a way. Uh, I, I couldn't wait to talk about that. I know we'll get there, but I have a, I have a lot about that, that scene. That I also scene. forgot to say Happy Valentine's Day, Dan. Oh, yes. To you as well. Yes, this movie will make you think of it too. Uh, it's a very Valentine's Day movie. Yeah, there's a lot of love. There's a lot of love triangles going on in this movie. So it's true. It, 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 <laughs> to, to, at like at like really confusing uh, levels, but yes, there there are, there are, there's some romance going on. I think you know the best ones always give it to you that way. Yep. Uh, so Irene Jansen. Uh, oh yeah. So he gives him a look over. And yeah, in the diner. Yes, this was the point I was trying to make. Mm. I'm so glad I didn't get too far without this. He gets questioned by someone else, another cop, and he's like, hey, where's your jacket? Where's your rain jacket? It's right. not even raining now. Like, so there's definitely like a, an expected style in the classy streets of San Francisco. Sure. Yeah. I mean, and of the period, too. I mean, I mean, most yeah. you know, men had could get away with a, yeah. a wife beater. If you exactly. Know. Like that definitely probably raised a lot of red flags to this guy. But yet he decided to still pick him up. So yeah. Exactly. You know, it's like, that's when you make that decision. Not like, oh, whoops. <laughs> I tried to do a favor without even really thinking. Well, we learned later about Baker and, and you know, he, he seems like he's a little bit of a, a salacious character. So who, who knows if he had ulterior motives or It's or, true. Or what. We, we'll return to the bakery in time. Don't worry. <laughs> so after he beats him up and bails, uh, Irene Jansen picks him up and that's Lauren Bacall. Mm-hmm. Great car. 
And, and this is the third movie they've done together at this point? Correct. So they did To Have and Have Not, and yep. then they did... Big Sleep. Big Sleep was next, yes. Can't, can't miss that one. Then this one. And, and this. And then Key Largo was their last one together. And they were a couple by this point. By this point, they were. this was their first They were already married, yes. Where they, they were married, married. Yep. yeah. They were Big married age difference. Point. Large, large age difference between the two. Yes. But I, I, I like, and, and I, I, you know, you, you see it in the film throughout, like you definitely see the chemistry and it, and it definitely feels real and palpable. And, and, and obviously it has something to do with the fact that, you know, that they, they were married, but I think that that led to a reason why that the studio decided to, to cast them. Cause I think they had other, uh, you know, leads that they had in mind instead of Bacall. But at the end of the day, they realized that just, you couldn't get the same chemistry. Like I think, you know, they had the opportunity and, and people knew them. I mean, they were still po- very popular at the time. Um, so they were like, you know what, let's let's do it, and I, I think it works well. It works well in the totally. movie. Totally, no, I, I'm all in on them. It doesn't seem suspicious or salacious, no. if you will. Definitely. So Irene Jansen picks him up, very <laughs> just out of nowhere, kind of. She says she wants to help him. Yes, she does. Obviously, he's, obviously he's a little bit like skeptical, but he's like, you know what, I got no choice. So my one note was on this was that there's so much coincidence in this movie and so much trust. It, how they all know each other and like the tenuous relationship they have or, or yeah. the, you know, the long-standing relationships they have. It's just, yeah, it's very bizarre how they all kind of come together. Yeah. You definitely have to um, go along for the ride for sure. Right. And I think that, ride... was my, that was my biggest thing about it watching it early on. I think for me, it was just like, it was just trying to grasp the relationships could, between everybody. It totally matters. I can say with this one, it really is. If you've never seen it, it's really going to matter how you go into it, like where right. your, your mind space is in. Like if you're just kind of like, hey, whatever, you know, I, I trust the boys at this point. The lads yeah. know what they're doing. Let's yeah. go, go along for the ride. And that was kind of that where I'm like, yeah, Dan likes this one. I trust him. Uh, he was said it with a smile in a way that made perfect sense when I started watching this movie. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's a trip. It's a trip, but it was, it's a fucking blast. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just real like gritty and it's, it's just, expertly directed yes so yeah sure there's coincidences but fuck it man let it ride let's ride the lightning you know she's an artist so the reason that she was out by san quentin prison was that she was just painting just being you know just painting the scenery uh but we do find out that she is invested in his case correct yeah she uh she started following his case in in a trial because he was tried for murder uh murdering his wife and her father who was this kind of like some type of magnate or some type of, you know, he definitely had a lot of money and he got convicted, falsely convicted, or at least that's what she, you know, was saying that she got falsely convicted. So ever since then, she's kind of been on this like path of trying to and he was get justice. Yeah, he was. Yeah. So he's trying to get justice for people that were wrongfully, you know, accused or, or wrongfully, uh, you know, put in prison. So. And that photo of her father is the director, Delmer Daves. Oh, I didn't know. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. So there's a yeah, she had up in her apartment. Yeah. Well, fun fact for you. Uh, when he's looking through the scrapbook later on. True. Yeah. yeah. When we, when we find out about this. Mm-hmm. So she picks him up, hides him. She under art supplies. She goes mm-hmm. past a, a police block. That yeah, on, the bri- on Golden, I think it's a Golden Gate Bridge probably. It was on yeah, a bridge. I'm assuming exactly. it's that one. Yeah. Great to see the old Golden Gate. Well, she played it very well too. I think like, like I, I do like the suspense in that because obviously you're, you're along for the ride and you're kind of putting yourself in his shoes and their shoes 
And I always kind of like those things of like the, you know, is he going, are they going to get away with it? Or they, are they going to get caught where he's kind of like hiding under the seat and like the, the cops like a, a, ask her to, to, you know, go come go search your, your car. And he starts like, you see the hand kind of reaching around. And... Well, it's even more effective because at this point we're in the point of view. Um, right. as, as soon, after the barrel and you see him uh, kind of walking through the woods, like you're completely in the POV and right. uh, you don't leave it for an hour. Yes. It's so cool. You're in Vince's, uh, mindset you know uh so they make it past and then they uh they go to her apartment which we mm-hmm. as we said was fucking cool i love it the art deco oh it's so dream good. dream apartment yeah that the exterior of just the outside alone is just like oh it's so cool maybe the best apartment in noir i was thinking about that as i was watching it it's up there for sure like yeah. I have, there's a couple that i have like off the top of my head but that's definitely like probably top we're, three. we're starting the list with this one yes and we will we will mark them as we go. And we will re- reveal them as they go along through our through our podcast. Every episode, we'll do like an alert of yeah. what wonderful apartments of Noir. Yeah, but it'll go, woo, wonderful apartments. Woo. Yep, exactly. We'll get sound effects and everything. And, 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 then, and then we'll put it in our magazine that, that will come out uh, bi-monthly. You know, yes. N- n- Noir apartment monthly. Every issue will come out in Noir-vember. <laughs> Maybe what? Maybe yeah. Somehow it'll be a monthly, yearly magazine. Monthly, yearly. Uh, on at least one of the days where they were filming at the Golden Gate Bridge, more than fifteen hundred fans showed up to watch Humphrey Bogart film. Get a glimpse. I mean, if I were there, I, I would have done it. I probably totally. would have gone out there. Yeah, I mean, you might even just have been at the bridge and just be like, "Hey, there's Bogie. Oh, there's Bogey. <laughs> Thanks, mom." Thanks for dropping me off, mom. Thanks for dropping in, me in this, off. In this sex. scenario, in this scenario, our, our mothers are dropping us off at the at at the the bridge. Yeah, she's like, I need me time. You <laughs> kids go to the bridge now and play. You you guys stay with Bogey. I'm gonna go do <laughs> some. I'm gonna do my errands. Hi, Bogey. Can you watch the kids for like a half hour? Thank you. I like the scenario. I'm, I'm yes. a big fan of the scenario. It happened, I'm sure. So we were in the apartment, uh, and Madge comes by. Yes. And and Bogey decides to to talk to her through the door, telling her basically to go away. That's Madge's voice. You know I'm out here. Are you gonna let me in? Irene, is someone in there with you? Yes, someone's in here with her. Now go away. So obviously that creates some like. You know, why are you talking to her? Like, like, what are you doing? Um, yes. And 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 you know, I think Lauren Bacall does a, a, you know says that as well in the movie. But yeah, Madge obviously is a big uh, linchpin in this film. But yeah, I, I think her character is just so like, I don't know if over the top is the right way, but it's just like she's definitely like she's successful. I you 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 she hate sells her it pretty well sure. as far as the drama goes for sure. But yeah, I, again, I love the I love the apartment though. Big fan of the apartment inside now. Agnes Moorhead plays Madge, and uh, yeah, I mean, I think she 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 does a good job. Yeah. Oh yeah. I think it's it's perfectly over the top. Just the right amount of over the top. Yes, and you can see she's suspicious by this voice that she's heard, this very distinctive Humphrey Bogart voice. I'm surprised that she didn't recognize it right away, because she was in she was in love. What we learn later is that she was in love with him. So you think if she was in love with him, she'd probably know what his voice sounds like, especially someone like him who has such a very distinct voice. I don't know. That's just me. But I digress. You do digress, Dan. Easy, babe. <laughs> Sorry, I got, I got a little, uh, I got a little uh, overboard. That's all right. Let it I'll out. Settle, I have settled down a little bit. 
Yes, going down a dark passage. <laughs> Madge had been, uh, they were with Vincent Perry. They were together at one point. They're, yeah, I, I think it's probably important to maybe talk about the, the whole, I don't even the know. Back it's more, story. It's more than a love triangle. It's a, it's, it's a very bizarre mix of, of how they all know each other, of uh, Madge knowing. Because he's not interested in Madge. You know? It's not like a love triangle right. in that sense. It's just like kind of people he was involved with. And, exactly. Like they're all, he's kind of like a nucleus of all these people, of associations between you know, Irene, who uh, is, is dating or was sort of dating Bob, who is like the fiance or ex-fiance of Madge. So it's just like all this kind of like, they're all together and they're all kind of in the orbit of. It's a bit convoluted. Yes, it's very convoluted. But, but in, in they the all know each other. fun way. Yes, they do. Coincidence and trust. Like I'm saying, that's a theme yep. in this movie. Uh, he had broke it off with her and she was pretty bitter about that. So when this trial had happened over the murder of his wife, she testified out of spite. Against and- him against him kind of to get convicted yeah to kind of give him reason why he may have killed his wife with an ashtray yes the old ashtray (laughs) classic murder move yeah exactly a lot of weird instruments used for and i use the phrase instruments uh, knowing that the trumpet's about to come yes you uh, son of a bitch i'm sorry i'm sorry i had to do son of a bitch there's definitely some some instruments of of destruction in this movie that are very bizarre. For <laughs> I will give it that <laughs> for for, uh, for murdering people. Yeah, you do what you got to do. Exactly. I think that's what it is. She was resourceful. <laughs> um, and at this point, Irene kind of explains that she had been following Perry's case. That's why she had been around, and that she believes that he is innocent. Don't you get lonely up here all by yourself? I was born lonely, I guess. That why you visit murder trials? No. I went because your case was like my father's. I know he didn't kill my stepmother. I know he told the truth. Yet he died in prison. I thought it might be that way with you. It was that simple? Yes. I wanted to help you. But all I could do at the time was write crazy letters to the record. Until today. He leaves after that. He's no good for her. He's, he's trying no, to get away. Yeah, he, he's always kind of just like, yeah, I'm good. For someone who's yeah. on the run from the cops, he's not worried about staying in one place too long. Yes, yes, for sure. So he leaves and hails a, a cab who seems to recognize him. But yes. he's very lucky that he gets the world's nicest cab driver. I do like the the view of him in the back seat with the shadow. Then you just kind of see the hat and the silhouette of, bo- of Bogey, but they still don't reveal his voice. So the camera does go away from the point of view at that time, but it's still, you're not really seeing his face. So I like, I like that it does that. It's a nice little touch there. Oh, and when he gets clothes uh, from Irene, Mm -hmm. he he says, uh, if it could cover his embarrassment, which is his dick. That was a good time. (laughs) Yeah. A lot, definitely a lot of like little innuendos for sure. And that, that, that's like a common theme with, I think, Bogey McCall movies is there. I mean, I think very much so in Big Sleep uh, in particular, but definitely a lot of stuff that they were trying to get away with, uh, with the Hays Code, uh, yes. trying to get around it and trying to get a lot of good uh, innuendo in. So I, I think that's something I do appreciate about films of this era, especially their movies, is just how much they're able to, to try to get it, sneak in there. And, and you know, the, I feel like the audience is pretty, probably pretty aware of at least most of it. Uh, I love the cabbie though, great patter. Uh, yes. He's credited as cabbie and then in parentheticals, Sam. Yes. And he's played by Tom DeAndra. Great job. And this is where the plot gets very awesome. This is where you kind of figure out why we've been in a POV this whole time. Yes. 
Uh, so yeah, he the ca- the cabbie's like, yeah, I know who you are, and instantly Perry gets worried, and he's ready to just go back to Joe. Like, all right, you know what? Just send me back. I'm over it. I tried. Thanks, fellas. But the cabbie's like, no, 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 don't worry. I, I got you. I know a guy. I wonder what he could do with your face. Who? Friend of mine knows his stuff. How much would he want? How much he got? A thousand. That's all I've got. You take a couple of hundred. Yeah. And keep after me from then on. No, he's a friend of mine. What's your charge? Nothing. I've seen him work. He's great. I wouldn't know my own mother after he got through with her. How long would it take? Maybe a week. If he doesn't have to touch your nose, I don't think he will. Just a little around the eyes and here and there. And the guy he knows is a a 90-minute plastic surgeon. He offers him a 90-minute face change. 90 minutes. Will it take long? 90 minutes, no more, no less. That's why he lost his medical licenses because he was too good. Yeah, that was the problem. He was too, he was too fast, too efficient, too good. Oh, in the back of the cab, you're no longer looking at the POV with Bogey. Um, mm. and you kind of see him, but he's in the shadows, and he kind of looked like the cover of our podcast. Yes, yes. <laughs> so it's he, dark shadows, man. That's not who it is, but it totally looked like it. Uh, I, dark I shadows, dark passage. Yeah, everything's dark. It's true. Yeah, we're dark, dark guys. <laughs> The dark, pa- dark podcast. I want to get a count after the episode how many times we use the phrase uh, dark passage within the episode. <laughs> I, I wish mean, we were it, keeping it tally. It's coming up it, a lot. In the movie, they couldn't stop saying it. Yes. Well, wow, look how dark this passage is. Oh, and can you turn a light on? You're coming through a dark passage over here. They never said it, and it was very disappointing. That's my only uh, yeah. complaint of this You're, movie. The only negative about this movie. In the meantime, uh, he go he he uh, he needs some so time yeah, to set it up. So he, he, he gets a consult with the plastic surgeon, and he's like, "All right, come on back. I gotta I gotta get some things together." So he goes to his friend George Felsinger's, our trumpet player, yes, uh, and asks him for help in his quest to prove his innocence. Which he basically agrees to do. He lets him, you know, for the most part, lets him say, you know, he's they're they're, they're old friends, and everyone loves Vincent Perry. Yep. He's a likable guy. A likeable I mean, guy. I, I love him by this point, and I love everyone that loves him. The picture's funny in the paper. <laughs> yes. Um, and so that picture is character actor Kenneth McDonald. Yes. You only see him um, in that picture as... And it looked kind of enough like him. I, I was okay with that. Well, it I think my favorite thing... We're jumping crazy. ahead a little bit, but, um, you know, once he gets to the... the I guess we're not really. I mean, we're, get, we're there. Um, yeah. when, he, when he goes back to the doctor... And they're going through the procedures, and he has this like kind of maniacal kind of. It was another like his uh, George, right? George, yeah. George tells him, you know, come back. Everyone's just telling yes. him to come back. We're not right. ready for you yet. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, so he gets he keeps getting you know pushed off, but he he goes he goes to the doctor and and has these weird like dream hallucinations as he's under when he's getting. Oh, these, cool. These faces, yeah, which is really great. I, I so love it. So cool. Now, just close your eyes. Got a fine anesthetic. Used it in the last war. It's in your bloodstream now. You'll be all right, Vincent. You'll be all right. Hold your breath and cross your fingers. Let me in. Let me in. But in the in the process I'm talking about about how they wanted him to look, they're talking about how he he's supposed to look ten years younger with this operation. Yes. 
but he looks the probably the same age at, or maybe a little bit older than the guy in the picture, like the original Vincent. Well, they Perry. kept saying no that he looked older. He would look older, right? He does, but they look about the same age, is what I'm saying. Like, oh, I, yeah, me, like no, it's, it's not like, like a big difference, but you know. right. I just think that's funny, like that 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 like they're saying like, oh, you're gonna look di-, like, eh. and it definitely felt like that was a way to kind of explain that drastic age difference between him and Bacall is just like, ah, eh, we're gonna throw like ten years on him. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that makes that makes sense. Yeah, this was the first movie where Bogart was wearing a full hair piece by this point. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. His hair began to fall out in clumps. Uh, he had yeah. alopecia erecta, you know, and by Treasure of Sierra Madre, he was wearing a full wig. Which is a great bad. great movie, by the way. Yes, totally. Great and movie. Great wig, too. Yes. But things go, yeah, health-wise, Bogey, Bogey had it pretty rough. And I think you see it a little bit in this movie. Like, I, I was thinking about that last night. Like, he definitely looks more... By the time you get to him, it's like, ooh, Yeah, boy. he looks ragged, definitely. Like, he looks but like it's he's def- great yeah. for the part, you know, right. honestly. It lends itself, for sure. But yes, you know, you got to suspend your disbelief and just think of the role that he's playing. For sure. But yeah, great sequence when he's he's under. Love that. And then he's got the, the whole bandage off, and they're giving the instructions for what he can and cannot do. And he has to drink through a glass straw, and he has to... Use a you know the uh, that was another the, uh, no uh, I have the first straw in noir correct at least the first one that I can recall thinking about yeah I, I don't know if I've ever heard that as an actual uh, we'll keep an eye out for that point. too yeah especially a glass straw yes which I think I know about glass we're key. all basically coming back to glass straws at this point there's a glass key that movie with uh, Veronica Lake it's the only sure. thing glass you never you never saw the famous noir the glass straw no. Maybe that's what we need. Maybe we need to write that one. Yeah. (laughs) We're talking to you from the future. From the future. Um, And they say that they can keep his eyes the same, of course, and uh, his nose would be the same. Because, of course, how do you explain that away? Even though, like, I don't know, I feel like they should have just found someone with a bigger nose and then just be like, we could take it down to, like, a Bogart level. Yeah. You know, you could always take away, but you can't add. I just like that they took skin from under his arm. Yes, that instantly hurt. Your arm might be sore, by the by the way. I took some skin <laughs> yeah. off under your arm. We, we, we didn't tell you that that was a possibility. Yeah, no. Conceptually, yeah. that was very effective. It hurt my underarm instantly, like yeah. ah, phantom pain. But what do you expect in an hour and a half, I guess? It's true. Um, so he can't speak at this point. Yes. But yes, this is, we finally turned the camera to him, and he's bandaged up. And that was why it had been an hour that we don't see him, because we have to change his face. Yes. So cool. That alone sells the movie. The rest of it could suck, but thankfully it doesn't. Yeah, I, I like that it doesn't necessarily spend too much time on it, too. I feel like it gets to that point where it's like, the point of view, it, it works up just to enough. Like, I, I feel like it gets to that point, you're like, okay, it obviously makes sense for the plot of the movie, but it also gives you some relief and you get the different outside perspective now where you're you're more outside as the spectator versus being inside his mindset. So I, I like I like that it kind of works on multiple levels by doing that uh, for the plot and for how everything's being presented. So I, I do, I do appreciate that for sure. Yes. He heads back to George's apartment after the operation, unable to speak and in bandages. Uh, George would kick him out probably to clear a spit valve or, you know, get it. Yeah. Polish up the old brass. He heads back and he's, he's fucking dead. And then he picks up the trumpet. Dude, what are you doing? Like, I know. <laughs> that's the thing. He didn't burn off his fingerprints or anything, so he's leaving his prints all over the place, yeah, which, what are you doing, which they do find. I mean, they say, we yeah. found your fingerprints there. We're, we're looking for you. Yeah, the trumpet was used uh, yeah, to, I mean, like, to bludge, you know, bludgeon your friend. <laughs> uh, you, know, you think you would want to stay away from any potential you know, murder weapon. 
No, I mean, even though he, like, he changed his face, like, too, like, it didn't seem like it was that effective. It didn't take long for anyone to figure him out. Yeah. Which was kind of a bummer, but, you know, it was very, very cool device. So he heads back to Irene's at this point, and uh, he's going through San Francisco, and this is when I had the note that San Francisco looks exhausting. It does. <laughs> and he gets, he gets uh, like, those guys are kind of yelling at him as he's walking up the... Uh, the long steps up there is like, Hey buddy, have a long night. Blah, blah, blah. And they're all kind of like yelling at him. He's just like struggling. He has like the guys, he's got a suitcase and he's just trying to like make his yeah. way up these steps. As he has part of his skin from his, under his arm taken away. So it's like, imagine yeah. having to then put pull weight on it. There's no oh, way yeah. that doesn't suck. Yeah. So very well sold by Bogart, you know, and again, could have been real health problems at this point, helping mm-hmm. sell it, but yeah, it works. Yeah well positioned you know if if it was the director the, the writer just being like look we got these stars figure out how to use them right with the circumstances they, they pulled it off definitely so he is in irene's apartment and he can only communicate through writing and he has great handwriting beautiful yes. beautiful handwriting a lot better than mine got got to give a shout yeah perfect cursive the the capital letters and everything but you, but it's it's nice and yeah, you have some good moments throughout this movie. With I know we mentioned it before, but just yeah, the two of them together, you you sense that closeness, but you sense the the chemistry with them, and I think it, it kind of lends itself through the kind of their back and forth throughout his recovery time um, when they kind of talk to each other and interact with each other, and, and I think you do get a sense that you know Irene does really love uh, Vincent Perry, like you get that that real sense that she does, she definitely you know cares for him and, and wants to be with him. That new face does it for us all. Good yeah. yeah you know, even though the... she doesn't know yet, but she could feel it. Yep. So at this point, Madge and Bob show up at the apartment at Irene's place. Madge called Bob to check on him. How did that p- play again? Because of uh, the initial, uh, when she heard a man's voice earlier, and also she was trying to check on him to see if he was actually going over to Irene's house. There's like a lot of like multiple things kind of going on of her really trying to like, Control catch them everything. in the act or try to control the situation or just to you know she's trying to like kind of pull some strings you know for her for her sake um but they all kind of end up converging uh in the apartment so you know bogart kind of scurries up and, and goes up to the room so he's hiding in, in uh, the bedroom while they're downstairs and they start to kind of question uh irene about what's going on and then she kind of jokingly says oh i'm i'm, da- I'm dating vincent Perry's up there yeah <laughs> and they don't believe her and Madge is like just trying to stay there too. Like she's refusing yeah. to leave because uh, she's afraid that Perry's going to kill her for testifying against oh, him. Oh, yes, very true. Yeah. And so she's having trouble getting rid of both of them, really. Yes. So, yes, she gets, she's able to get rid of Madge and she's able to, you know, pull the joke, you know, the Vincent Perry joke that, like, oh, uh, he's my new man, but absolutely is 100% the case too. Yeah. But then she relents it. Oh, you know, it, it's, it's not him, but it's some guy. And then Bob's like, all right, I guess I'll just walk away. <laughs> yeah. And Perry's hiding in the bedroom this whole time. Correct. And he's like, what, are you, what were you doing? You're telling him I'm dating. She's like, they didn't believe me if you saw my face. <laughs> you know, if, you're, if you're down there and saw my face, you'd know I was, they, they, they didn't believe me. So they leave. And at this point, he learns that he's wanted for George's murder now as well. Yes. Because he put his fingerprints on the broken trumpet. And I guess we should also mention that, you know, there's kind of this looming... You know, he, he sees this car that looks very familiar that's out in the little parking lot nearby of this, this jalopy, which is one of my favorite words ever. I yes. love the word jalopy. And I'm, I, I honestly wish that was back in the lexicon. Like, I wish people would 
use jalopy more. So I just want to take this opportunity and platform that I have to I mean, mention. hopefully we're all driving better cars at this point. I hope Not so too. Not too many jalopies out there. I mean, I had a string of jalopies, but I'm in a, a good place now. Car I would say, I, I would argue I had maybe like one jalopy in my life. I had mostly SUVs, See? but. I, la, la, I, I one jalopy. Yeah. Look at look at Mr. Dan over here. Mr. Mr. One Jalopy. One Mr. One Jalopy Dan. Jalopy Dan. But he uses that. Uh, Baker uses that term a lot. But the, the but the truth is that the jalopy, his jalopy, is is there. And Vincent notices it and says, "Oh, that's weird that this is here. Like, what's the connection?" But yes. you don't really find out till later the importance of that being there. Um, right. But I thought I would mention that. That I think that is important for. We're planting that seed now. Absolutely. Yep. Because it, it, it definitely drives some of the uh, plot coming up. But yeah, mm -hmm. so we're in the apartment. But he decides to leave again, right? He decides that he's... He gets the bandages off. Yeah. And it seems way too early to do so. But hey, I mean, if you're getting 90-minute face changes, I'm sure you can take it off sooner. I think we're supposed to... I like... mean, a little time has passed. It seems. Yeah. I think yeah. we're supposed to infer that the time has passed. Like, there's some definite, like... But it didn't... Montage. Even still, it did, it was, what the montage had inferred, it didn't seem like enough time still. Right. Yes, I would, I would agree. And I mean, it almost seems like it would have been worth just keeping the bandages on anyway. Also, can we talk about how every time we say bandages, I just think of bandages by Hot Hot Heat. Like, I have that song playing in my head. I thought of it when I was watching it, and I yeah. almost made a note of it, and I was like, oh, I'm not going. You were just hoping that I would bring it up. I, I, were I, you I a Hot Hot Heat fan? They never did it for me. I, I love them. I was a big fan. Okay, fair um, At least the first two records. I really liked the early stuff when they were kind of like, almost like no wavy, uh, where they had no guitar, and they just had keys and drums and bass. Yeah, um, just and repeated bandages over and again. <laughs> no, this is yeah, this is pre bandages. Oh, um, pre, yeah. yeah. What label then, were they on before Sub Pop? They were on Ohev, which also put oh, uh, yeah. the Up Up Down Down uh, record as well. Yes, and the Rocking Horse winner. Yes, yes. So yeah, so uh, and kind of like spitting one hundred dollar room. Did, did they put that? Yeah, yeah. But before okay. uh, Hush took it on. Okay, I know Very things. Cool. I know things. Yeah, man. I. I but yes, and uh, the up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, BA start, right? And nothing is number one. Yep. Yes. Very good classic. Yes. But yeah, so uh, yeah, I do like that. And the, yeah, I mean, they signed with Sub Pop and did the album with Bandages, which I do. I like that album. I feel like it's worth a revisit for you. I, I think you might like it now. Okay. I'll check. I'll, 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 be, I'll let you know next episode. If you dig New Wave, I think you'll like it. I think the vocals probably, you know, I, I think that's... I'm in a better great. place now that yeah. for that kind of thing than I was at the time, but... Uh, 2003 was not that time for you? Those vocals were, yeah. 2003, yeah, I was just in a, a cooler direction, I guess. Yeah. I was definitely in an uncool direction at that time, so that, that I think that makes total sense. I mean, I got a couple years on you. That'll do it. That's true. That's true. I'm sure you were right where you needed to be when you needed to be. I think I was behind, honestly. I think I listened to a lot of Super Drag and like Nada Surf and, and like, you know, Marcy Playground, which all That's good right stuff. That's right where you need to be. What are you right. talking about? But I mean, at the time, I mean, that they you know, it's been, you know, at least 2003, five, did past. we have Let Go by that point? From Nada Surf? Yes. Surf? Yeah. That's, yes. If right not when that soon came after, out. yeah. That's just so, when it came out, yeah. Nothing wrong with that. I, love, I was obsessed with that record when it came out. Did you go to the, the show, by the way? I know we're getting we're getting very off topic, but the, the when they did the anniversary show, I did not. I missed okay, because we I, went. Yeah, me, nice. me and Alec went, and yeah, yeah, it was it was great. Hi, Alec. Yeah, I'll give a little shout out to Alec. Yeah, he's he's. I mean, I love I love Nada Surf, but he might even be he, he I, loves Nada Surf. He, I do know that about him. Yeah. Huge fan. Uh, we've I think we've seen him together a couple times. Actually, we've gone see them a couple of times together, but I've seen them maybe three three times, maybe four times. Nice. Yeah, big big fan. But anyway, Dark Passage. Bandages. Uh, he gets yeah. his bandages off, and and she needs uh she needs some time. Irene needs some time with it. She needs. She's like, yo, you better go shave, and then let me get a second look. 
But then she likes it. She likes the shave. shave. The shave helped. The shave did help. Shaved, bo- shaved bogey. And the shave also helped sell that a little time in past. Well. Sure. My new band's going to be called Shaved Bogey. Shaved by the bogey. Way. I'm going to write that one down as my new band name. It could also just be an album. Or that too. Yes. Yeah. Everyone's be- always ready to jump to the band name where it's like, it's, it's got these song titles going first. Yeah, exactly. Shave, shave bogey. I'm going to write that, write that one down. My idea is I want to do kind of like a Weird Al thing mm-hmm. called Weed Al. And I want to do my first single is going to be Bee Gees. It'd be Wee Gees. Uh, one is How Deep Is Your Bowl? And then the other is uh, I Started to Toke. I, if I could be a part of this in any way, let me know. Love, would love to have you. Yeah, I, 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 I feel like I, 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 I could I actually offer a need lot. you. I need you badly for this. But yeah, I think not only am I, Yeah, not only am I a huge Bee Gees fan, but I, I'm a big fan of the parody. Um, yes. so I, I feel like, you know, for those, those reasons alone, I feel like I, I think could, at this I point contribute. in your career too, like, you know, it's, it's the natural progression. Like it's yes. the next frontier to conquer. You've done yes. it all basically at this point. I have done a lot. So maybe this is the, the, we were just talking about your musical evolution uh, before the podcast that I think, you know, what you're working on. And I think this, this could be a part of that, you know, this is the next step, obviously, you know, separate, but you know, part of the in the the part of the universe part of the part of the universe that i'm in it needs to be a part of the universe yeah so weed owl coming at you soon (laughs) you heard it here first can't can't wait yep ouija single you're gonna love it harmonies there'll be a lot of harmonies it's so harmonies oh that's all i'm (laughs) capable of so you know what i'm talking about oh yeah baby (laughs) i'm gonna be coming in with that gib Just all give all the time. Did you see? Did we talk about the doc? Did we talk about that last week? I feel like we talked about it. it Maybe off air. Maybe off air. We we definitely talked about it. I don't know if it was on air or not, but but regardless, great uh great documentary, great band, big fan. Yeah. Pre disco, disco, post disco. (laughs) Yeah, I I think us as a society are ready to take on the full catalog of the Bee Gees as opposed to parts. Yes. Did you? I'm going to digress some more. We're in a good part of the plot to take a, a breather. Do you watch, you, do you like sports docs at all? I know you like sports. I'm not I a do. big sports fan, but I love sports documentaries. I like watching uh, greatness being celebrated. I do. I, seen, I do like them. You watch this Tiger Woods doc on HBO? They I got have the first not, part out right now. I'm not a big golf fan. Um, I, I, as much as like Tiger is definitely part of just culture. Um, sure. And I feel like for that reason, I, you know, uh, would I watch it? Yes. It's not necessarily something that's, I think at the, forefront of, of things that I want to watch right this moment but eventually I feel like I'd like to get there I mean something like I mean the Michael Jordan one like the last had, dance was phenomenal yeah phenomenal but I, I was really invested in that and I was that had me enthralled because I'm a huge basketball fan so for sure. me I had a little bit more connection to that and obviously growing up with Michael Jordan like being well, that was, you know, yeah, that was the thing that especially got me was uh yeah just that era like if you were ever going to get me into sports that was the most I was paying attention to it and so it was, it was cool to kind of do that time machine. But yeah, that one was you so well done. You could say a golden age of basketball for sure. Like oh my I God, think absolutely. The 90s in particular were just a great, great era for basketball. And basketball is always the most impressive to me. Um, it, in general, it's the most watchable and but and just the, the accomplishments are, are so spectacular. Oh yeah, definitely. No, and there's a lot of, lot of great documentaries. Uh, you know, a lot of those uh, 30 for 30s. Orlando Semi-pro, you know, yes. you know, doc- documentaries. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good, good times. Um, but that one was cool. I mean, there's no Tiger Woods in it, whereas like Last Dance had Michael Jordan and it, he was just amazing in the in zone it. to spill like all the fucking beans. Um, and it is a little like, like gossipy and salacious at times, but just 
seemed uh, such excellence, like such like, oh my god, like he was like two and a half years old, and they show him golfing, like it's crazy. I think I, it's just yeah, because yeah, I, I golf, think it's... golf doesn't do it for me at any of them at right. all. But like being able to do such things with 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 nothing, I don't yes. Know. You, I could also see us as we get older, like hitting the links. Seems like it happens to people. Yeah, I mean, I have good friends that are really into golf. Um, yeah, same. And and, and I, I hear you know stuff from them, and you know, I, I feel like I, the closest I get is maybe like you know miniature golf or uh, the Love um, mini golf. Yeah, what's it called? Uh, Top golf that they have nowadays, but which is more like bowling ish hybrid almost of of golfing, where you're basically just hitting the ball out into the, into the ether, oh, um, wow. which is like almost like driving. But you have like little targets that you get points and stuff like that. With like the screen. Kind of, it is, but it's like, yeah, so like they basically like you're up on like a, a platform and there's a giant open field and there's obviously nets at the far end and uh-huh. there's different like tar- like circular targets and you have point values and they have a touch screen where basically you set it up like you would like a bowling game where you and your oh. friends are hanging out and then you have different games with different objectives and then you try to hit the balls and, and try to get, like I said, like a skill game similar to bowling and that's fun. Like that's something more like that would be is more up my alley than say like staying on a link and, and for however many holes i mean I'll, I'll watch happy gilmore that i will do but outside outside of that I, i'm not i'm not necessarily uh a fan maybe um, our, we'd be more at peace in our minds if we were out there I'm maybe sure. I, I feel like i feel like it would be easier self for us to get together and watch happy gilmore i feel like i would probably ha- i think it would be probably a much more enjoyable experience for for both of us the thing that doesn't help is it seems like all the biggest pieces of shit golf and like you see them out there like golfing and then it just doesn't make it look that enticing either where you're like, yeah, fuck that. Like, you, I don't want to be in the same atmosphere as such evil. Yeah. And, and, and the fashion is not my, my vibe. Like I know F- forced I fashion. It doesn't do yeah, it for me. At least yeah. like bowling, like it's like pass the shoes, do whatever you need to do. Right. Yeah. And, and for that, like I'm, I'm, I'm usually more at peace with their, 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 and the shoes out. is like a, it's a necessity. It's the yeah. floors. Like, you know, there's, there's no choice. That's right. the game of bowling. So, right. But anyway, I feel like we've, we've the we've bandages gone, we've are off. Away. We've shaved. We've uh, gone for a game of golf, and then uh, at this point, he Perry's like, "I'm out of here. I don't really need to figure out who killed my wife. I got more things. I got. I got to escape." So he heads to a diner. Yes, great diner. diner. We were hyping. Great diner. I could say you could say it was a luncheonette or something along those lines. It's, it's great. Kinda, it, it's kind of nestled between two buildings, which I, I also Google maps because I love the locale of that. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, the, the it's long gone, but the the it looks like the building still exists, and you see the spacing between it where it used to be, and there's like a little wall, and there's like a little parking space for a couple cars, but it's you can still kind of like envision you know the, the space from the movie, and I, yeah. I think that's really cool that you can still kind of see where where it actually sat. But yeah, it's long gone, but great uh, great scene, great great shots when he's in the, the luncheonette, and and I love the like. You know, you get the sense that like he's always on the run in this movie, but you really get the sense that, like things are catching up, are really catching up with the character. And you see it, you know, when he, he's ordering the food and he sits down and he asks how how the races are going for the the horse racing and looking for the sports section. Yeah. The guy that left the paper took it. Oh. What you want to know? Um, race results. What track? Uh. Bay Meadows. Where you been, mister? Racing's been over at Bay Meadows a month. Um, he said, no, that, that thing's been shut down for, you know, for a little while now. And that gets the attention of a guy at the far end of the diner, the only other patron. I also want to give a, a, a great job 
pat on the back to that waiter. I loved him. He was great. Great character. Great, great character. character. I love how he like once it's revealed that like him saying that the the horse racing hasn't existed for a month there like that's what got him busted and he's like i'm so sorry like he yeah, felt so he, bad yeah, so bad that he like told so inadvertently told this guy i love when he's ordering the eggs too he's like uh he's like easy does it <laughs> <laughs> yeah i so, loved him and it looked good like you know black yeah. and white food never usually looks that good but it looked like a nice little some diner grub i love diner i love diner food so i yeah. i would have i would have eaten there but he Man. he does he get he starts to get a, a real line of questioning from this guy. He's like, I'm getting lonely down there. I'm let me let me come down and say hi. Yeah. Um, and he starts kind of really you know questioning him and 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 you know Bogey's left to kind of make up these stories about how he's you know on the road from Portland and he's got know, no raincoat no rain like coat. he was saying. Yeah, and he's uh, like, well, why don't you have a raincoat? You're from Portland. It rains there all the time. And he has like he says he has this family he's going to get away from and all this other stuff. And he eventually asks for his ID, which is like I don't have, but it's at my hotel. Yes, but it doesn't matter. The undercover policeman says, I'm, uh, I'm taking you in. Well, he says, let's go. Uh, he's like, yeah, let's go. Let's go. Let's go it. to the hotel. So yeah. he's like, oh, it's just up ahead. And then they head out to the street and Perry darts in front of a moving car. And then the cop gets hit by the car. And the, the one real comic relief in this movie is, is at this point with the guy that almost the car that almost hits it where he, he retells this like story about how he's the night watchman and he, and he, he keeps pleading with like all the people like, I'm the night watchman, I, I work late hours. And, and yeah, he's like, and he's, like it twice. I was driving home from work, but I'm a night watchman. I got a weak heart. All I do is sit and watch, I can't take chances. So I was driving home from work and this crazy girl was in front of me. Did you see it? Were you a witness? Once somebody called the policeman, this man ought to be arrested. You ran into a cop, mister. I ran into a... Look, officer, I'm a night watchman. I was driving home... Shut up. He does it twice, and he does yeah. it the second time to the cop, and the cop's on the, on the street phone because uh, they had street phones uh, to call in, you know, emergencies for, like, police, fire, and stuff like that. Sure. And the cop's calling because he doesn't have the cell phone. Um, yeah, because it was good, because, like, he didn't get hit too much, and you're like, ah, oh, you know, like... You were, it yeah. was okay to be like, ah, whatever, you got hit by a car. Like, you know, stunts were tough back then. But they actually, the way he kind of got up, it, it was played sort of like he actually did get hit as much as he got hit. Like, it was it right. was actually very believable. Right. It seemed like they were going for one thing, but they, they played it straight, which was very appreciated. Exactly. Yeah, he, that that uh, Night Watchman guy was great. Yeah, yeah they tell story about it, and the cops just like, shut up. Yeah. <laughs> Stop talking. <laughs> Um, thank you thank you for remembering that because i did enjoy yes. that very great much. great look uh whether it was intentional or not some great comic relief from that that great another another great little character the balance is perfect you know yes. the, the suspense is there and it, it kind of helps break it for sure um the suspense was kind of highest with the point of view just because it, it really came together so mm -hmm. well but the plot is still exciting enough where yeah i, I feel like you know, like he, i said i mean he's on the lamb now and and for sure i mean he you know obviously like the tense scene of him trying to like evade this cop in the diner now he's running away from him he finds a hotel gets in there and then before you know it he's getting wrapped up in uh, a whole other mess yes he can't escape and i will say too like this movie is always on the move much like perry nothing sticks around in a scene too long so even though the movie is like about hour 40 something like that yeah mm -hmm. and with these, these older movies sometimes that that could be a rough run time i never felt like it especially like once the first hour passes with the point of view which you're so engrossed in like right everything after it's it's so well balanced it, definitely there's not there's not a wasted scene and and that you're never in anything too long i, I just moves have, very well moves nothing very but compliments well. for this uh again it does it could matter on how you're going into it because it could take you one visit or it could take you a bunch but i think at some point 
long as you as long as you're willing to go along for the ride, Dark Passage will get you. Well, I heard that uh, Delmer Daves, the director, um, was well liked. He was well liked by actors, and and apparently, like I don't want to say he kept it light, but I, I feel like you may get a sense of that, that. That I feel like maybe got the best out of or got really good performances out of him just because. It was. It sounded like it was a very pleasant production, so I think that might have something to do with it. it yeah, like, it seemed like a he knew what he was doing, but b you know it seemed like from what I tell from the backstory is that you know he was a well liked guy, uh, maybe in comparison to some other uh, maybe di- more difficult directors. Uh, of, and of when I'm era. doing my research for these episodes too, I mean usually that's the stuff that pops up there that you're able to find so much information is like oh something went wrong or like this person right. was a piece of shit, but like not not too much for this one. It seemed exactly. like it was very smooth, totally. Sound like he was very competent and very. Liked, Everyone so was already you know in a good place in their careers it was a well-oiled machine basically exactly no, no reason to fuck around on set uh so he gets a hotel room and that's when uh he sees baker yep the bakery is open bakery is open for business and he wants sixty thousand dollars for he wants the bread he wants the bread. <laughs> this baker wants the bread well done dan he so he wants sixty thousand dollars blackmail from irene or he's gonna turn perry over to the law doesn't want all her money he knows she's got a lot of money but so he's only gonna take a portion of it because of her dad. Her dad, yeah, her dad was very rich, yes. Yes, the executed daddy. So Perry's like, yeah, sure, we'll figure it out. And uh, Great sequence in there with him, you know, in the, uh, the, like, the back and forth where he's on, he was asking, like, oh, can I have a cigarette? He says, no, and then he's like, I'm going to sit you down. And then, you know, put your arms behind your back. And he's like, all right, well, now you want to smoke. Yes. And, that, and he's like, he's like, well, I can't, I can't really do it. It's like, all right, take one arm out, and now you can only use one arm. Like, a lot of, like, little little kind of nuances in this scene that are really nice. I, I really like the way that it was, it was done. Totally. Um, not, not a lot of action, but just very, very nice little subtle things as they're kind so of I'm like saying, sparring. Like, there's there's yeah. no scene that I was like, ah, that one was a waste of time. Every scene is a delight. There's always something exciting happening yes. in, it, in it, even if it's just kind of, you're finally not on the move for once, but you're like resting, but the, the patter is so sharp and the actors are all, all great. Mm-hmm. It, it's wonderful. So they go on a drive to Irene's apartment and Perry is, uh, is like, ah, I got a shortcut and they taking go to the a, back roads and taking the background past the Golden Gate Bridge. Uh, great scenery. Yes, they really established San Francisco in this thing. He's able to take down Baker and disarm him. Well, he determines that he, he, he like now suddenly he has this epiphany. He drops the $200,000 like he wants the right. full nut. Yeah. Right. But also Perry also kind of figures out that Madge is at the center of all of the, the killings. So the murdered his, his uh essentially murdered his his wife and also murdered george name? george yes so because her car was seen following the you know, perry at one point because Pe- baker had been following perry. a lot of jalopies in play in a lot of jalopies point. in a row a lot of following but he determines that and ends up they they have a straw a really pretty climactic struggle the two of them fighting between baker and perry perry ends up on the uh the losing end of of that uh that struggle so then Perry tries to go and, and uh, he writes up a whole confession somehow uh, in, in the time it, between there and going over to, to Madge's place to pretend like he's a, he was sent by Bob to be a, a you know, a, a new love interest, um, which he readily, almost readily lets in. She's a little bit skeptical at first, but uh, sees him and says, all right, why don't you come in and say hi? Bob sent you. Did we mention that Baker falls to his death too? He does. Well, yeah. I, I mentioned that. Yeah, he, he he loses. I didn't get into specepics, but he yeah. loses the the fight. He's a nice, yes, he he's a very nice, convincing fall. I thought yes. the fall was well well shot. So good, needed, good fall. Needed a point out, but yeah. So he's over at Madge's uh, and confronts her. Says he has his confession. All he needs you to do is sign it, and she doesn't want any part of it. Which I 
see why. Yeah, <laughs> like, no, totally. Why, why would she sign something like that? Uh, there's no <laughs> real evidence other than he just write, wrote it down on a piece of paper and said, exactly. This, this is how it was. As long as she no, signed it. You could it, totally not- argue that, like, she signed it under duress. Like, you right. know, it's, yeah, I mean, it's not a good plan. But you know. I, I, I digress of, you know, trying to be proper in, in evaluation of, of how, you know, law works. But yes, we're, we're, we're taking that at face value. Not a big city lawyer here. Yes. <laughs> but the, uh, the upcoming scene of her, of her uh, death is pretty, her fall. Um, pretty, pretty amazing. Where she, they're, they're kind of going back and forth. And then she like. She goes behind a curtain. Behind this curtain dramatically. And then you just hear a fall. Um, you hear the crash of the, the glass. And then you look and you see her you know, on the ground. And you see a woman screaming from another apartment. Do you think that was an accidental fall? No. I don't think so either. I mean, I'm looking at the, the, the plot here or the, the write-up that I'm following and it, it says accidental. I didn't think that at all. It sounded like she's like, yeah, good luck without without me saying so. They're still going to think it's you. And then just kind of went out the window because how does she not know what was, what would happen? Yeah, I wonder, you know, I wonder if part of that is, I mean, they really seem like they're trying to, I guess maybe there was a, a fear or a thought that they couldn't directly show the action of it happening. So I think maybe they tried to have a way to really infer what was happening to leave it open to interpretation. Um, yeah. So it's not necessarily showing like the action because they might have, you know, the censors or, or, or the higher ups at the studio might have thought differently about, you know, showing graphically showing her just directly going through of her own admission. So I, I wonder if like some of the cloud of that, of her kind of like going behind the curtain, you're kind of hearing it, you're really supposed to infer what happens. And I feel like that, thing that you're reading is inferring that but i look at it like you and i have just mentioned that i look at it as she really... never considered it until i until i saw that i mean it just so seemed yeah. like it was just like a, a good luck you know uh yeah. and also like well i this might not turn out well for me this is the only option i have right so it's yet another murder that he could potentially get pinned on him though so he definitely totally. tries to like rush out of there and and great scene where he runs up to the roof and then he Another, you know, another arduous trek down a bunch of flight yeah. of stairs on on the the uh, the fire escape. Yeah, this movie is suspenseful. They, they it's it's so a lot timeless. of stairs, it's, a lot of physicality of him it, running. Like I said, uh, it looks exhausting. Yes. They put in the work for sure. Uh, yes. But yeah, no, this movie rules. So yeah, he he, uh, he makes it up to the roof. He knows he's he's not going to be able to prove his innocence, and uh, so all he's going to do is fl- uh, he can flee. He's going to head to Mexico and then South America, and he calls Irene to let her know the plans. From a bus station. Yes, yes. from a bus station. Can you get a MacBus, South America? I'll find one. Look up Peru. There's a little town on the coast called Paitin. Say it. Tell me where it is. Paitin, in Peru. Good. Now listen. I won't write. We've got to wait. We've got to give it plenty of time. Maybe they'll get a lead on you. Maybe they'll keep an eye on you for a while. I'll be careful. Go on. Meanwhile, God's good to me, and I managed to make it down there. I'll be waiting for you. There's a little cafe right on the bay. If you could see your way clear, listen to all those ifs. We'll skip all the ifs. I get the idea, and that's all I need. Now hang up on me. Just like that. Hang up, darling. He gets um, the ticket to Arizona? Yes, he's going to get a bus to Arizona. To start at Arizona, he's got to wait two more tickets. And the tickets were cheap enough. It seemed like he should have just bought those two tickets and be like, all right, let's go. Well, he had to get 
for one, he had to get the fake ID um, or the password because he was talking to Baker about that earlier. Baker was giving him all this insight about when they were dra- traveling earlier, right before he, uh, Perry killed him. He was giving all this insight about, oh, you need to, I know a guy down in Benton. You need to go to Benton and you know get this ID and get this passport so you can then move on and, and go. So maybe he was you know trying to follow that a little bit to try to find his exit strategy for getting out of there. But he also realizes that he can't, he wants Irene part of, you know, he misses her. He sees like, he sees his family in the bus station. He realizes he wants a little bit of that companionship. He seems like he's been so alone and, and he really found someone in Irene that he could really love and care for and vice versa. So, you know, he makes plans with her, which he agrees upon. We learned. Yeah. She's going to meet him in, in Peru. In Peru. Yes. So they, they eventually he makes his way down there. Yeah. Uh, they cut to it pretty, pretty soon after that. Um, yeah. And uh, he's, he's relaxing with the drink. And then he sees her. And her, and her I, I don't want to, yeah, maybe I should mention, I'll, I'll leave it for another episode because there's another, this, this, this has a similarity to another episode of a movie that came out in the same year that uh, reminds me, reminds me of, of this. So I'll, I'll bring it up uh, at a later time, but uh, I wanted to leave a little bit of a teaser in there. Um, All right. But a great, great embrace. Sounds like we got another happy ending coming at some point. Uh, yes. Yeah. I, you know, and, and typically that would kind of bother me. I like the kind of the downer noir endings. It's my preference. But there's kind of no nowhere else you could go with this one. And enough like crazy things had happened. Yeah. You know, the, the, the journey was very noir that it was kind of okay to end on a little happier of an ending. Yeah, I feel like they probably, there was maybe, I don't know if there was actual pressure, but there was probably a, at least a thought a process of, you know, the real stars of the movie are obviously Bogey and Bacall. So you want to have them reunite. You want to have them be together. So I feel totally. like ultimately, like the chemistry of that was what really kind of held a lot of this movie together, I think, throughout. Like it, it, it was, you know, felt mostly throughout the film. So I, I feel like that nice little tie-up ending probably would have tested well, I would imagine. It probably would have maybe tested better than, a downer ending like you would usually see. So maybe they're trying to really pull this romance aspect in to try to maybe get better, better reaction. I, I don't know. I'm just speculating. I don't know if that's true, but I, I, I wonder if just because of how much they had that, those two together and linked, obviously because of their, their real life relationship. Um, I wonder if that had any, anything to do with that. Um, we'll have to defer to the book club and see what the original novel had that in there. Yes. Which I th- it had a different name. It, they changed it throughout the when they made the movie because it wasn't originally called Dark Passage, right? It was actually had a different name. It was what was it called? It was called it had another name. It, and they changed it. It was Dark Something, and I can't remember what it was. And even even online, I'm seeing it saying Dark Passage, but I don't think that's true. I'll have to do some more research and get and, and follow up about that. But they talked. It was about serialized it. in the Saturday Evening Post, so it's possibly then when it had a different title. Yeah, I I, I think it, it there was actually like I was watching a documentary about it and. They had it crossed out on the, uh, yes, that, yeah, that one. But it, it was different. They had it crossed out on the script for the movie because they had the original title in it. it. It was maybe like, not Dark Path. It was something like that. It was something, it, it, it was something else. But I, I'll, I'll, look, I'll look that up and I'll have, I'll have that uh, by, by our next episode. I'll, that, that's another. Check our social media. Yes. We'll, we'll, po- we'll post it there. Yes. If it exists. I, I may be dubious on this one because nothing's popping up. I don't think I dreamed it. I think it, or maybe I was in, maybe I was in like a daze when I was watching it. Uh, maybe I could have dreamed it up, but I could have. You sworn. probably had a plastic surgeon uh, and a skinless face in your dreams going. I on. did. I, I had. I had a very similar Dark experience. Path. I had a definitely, definitely similar experience with all the the demons that uh, Bogey was seeing in his uh, anesthesia nightmare during amazing his, uh, during amazing his uh, his operation. But I feel like overall we've mentioned that we like this movie. Uh, yes, I think, uh, I think general consensus. 
Warner Archive has a Blu-ray of it out. You should seek it out. Yep, there it is. Dan's got it. That's it's not streaming anywhere, so you know I definitely would say find this one because it's great. What a yeah. great time! Oh yes, uh, I, I think highly it, recommend it. Yeah, I mean I know you're not a big Bogey Bacall fan, and we mentioned earlier that I, yeah, I, I might be now. I'm, now I'm excited to revisit some of the other ones. Um, big Sleep, obviously, we'll get to, but Big Sleep, as far as noirs go, I mean I would argue that that would be the the best of the best as far as like I mean that's such a noir like traditional. Yes. Yeah. I mean, every everything about noir is in that movie. Like every everything you would you would imagine, and and it's very confusing. But I, I I'm a fan of that one. But I think, like I said, this one's underrated. I feel like this one uh, doesn't necessarily get a bad rap. I think it just it doesn't get talked about enough. I think I, I think it, it should be in the conversation. We're changing um, that. I think this yeah. this one is from now on coming up pretty often with me as a high recommendation for yes. sure because it, it's just such a great time and and just so inventive and creative. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I'm really glad, yeah. you know, um, you know, I, I know it, it was a first watch for you and, and that's what I was so curious about is just, I'm always curious, you know, from in that perspective, like even like of any movie, like, you know, a movie that you love and, or you've seen many times and you really like, and then you, you know, you, you have a friend watch it for the first time and you're seeing it through an, a different lens. You're seeing yes. it through and, and you know what they like, what they dislike. And sometimes you have similar tastes. Sometimes you might have, you know, some differing tastes, but at the end of the day, you know, you like that, you know, you can share that, that experience. And, and I'm glad that we're able to share that, that experience together that it, 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 you know, it's a shared experience of, of enjoyment, uh, of, yes. a very bizarre, very singular uh, film noir, a lot of, a lot of weirdness, but a lot of cool, cool things. Absolutely. And hopefully our, our listeners feel the same way that uh, yes. they were let in on something special. Yes. Thanks, Dan. No, I, I hope you we're enjoyed all, it. We're all saying thank you. That's us in the audience. Uh, now we're going to kind of flip the script off for our next movie. Yes. It, uh, this one is a, a famous one. Yes. And also one that you have, have never seen. Yeah. Which yes. is kind of shocking to me, but I, I could also see because it is so famous that maybe it, it just would let some other things go through. Well, I know it's you definitely one of those. Definitely one of those movies that's so famous that I, I just I've always kind of passed on it. Yeah, I, I know you like the obscure ones. I mean, I think that's what you like to to go more towards. Yes. So hopefully we'll we'll bring some of these classics to you as well. Yes. No, I, I I will say that you know through through this so far, I've definitely seen a few. Um, you know, Lady in Shanghai and and Postman, which I've never seen. That you know, I mean, the, were, yes, were classics that I I had I had kind of neglected. So this is this would be in the same category. Uh, this the film that we're alluding to is 1950's Sunset Boulevard, directed by Billy Wilder, and starring mm-hmm. William Holden and Gloria Swanson. Heather Harper speaking. I'm talking from the bedroom of Norma Desmond. Don't bother with a rewrite, man. Take this direct. Ready? As day breaks over the murder house. Yes, you'll read the big black headlines about Norma Desmond and this Hollywood scandal but you'll never read the true story about the rest of us who were part of it. Me, for instance, Joe Gillis, a promising young writer from Dayton, Ohio. And Betty, that nice kid I met at a Hollywood party who knew nothing about me, but knew what she wanted. Don't you love Artie? Of course I love him. I always will. I'm just not in love with him anymore. What happened? You did? Well, we should have lived happily ever after, like they do in the movies. But this was different, because this is a Hollywood story about the people who make the movies. The little ones that you never hear of, like Betty and me. The great ones, like Cecil B. DeMille. All those who knew Norma Desmond, a strange woman who left her mark on all of us, who crossed her path. 
Has it ever occurred to you that I may have a life of my own, that there, there may be some girl that I'm crazy about? Who? Some car hop or a dress extra? What I'm trying to say is that I'm all wrong for you. You want a Valentino, somebody with polo ponies, a big shot. What you're trying to say is you don't want me to love you. Say it. Gloria Swanson, one of the great personalities of this generation in a role that comes to an actress once in a lifetime. Rising to the heights, William Holden creates a startling portrayal. And a new star is born in Sunset Boulevard, Miss Nancy Olson. Joe? Where are you? What's this all about? Why don't you come out and see for yourself? The address is 10,086 Sunset Boulevard. Yes, come out to see for yourself the film that reaches a new milestone of dramatic daring. The film that every critic says is a giant among motion pictures. I do love Billy Wilder. Great, great director. Great director. Great, great, great um, director. And this is arguably his finest work. Um, so much cool stuff in this. I'm looking forward to getting into it and even just watching it. So this is this is the role reversal. This is yes, you know, it is. This is uh, this is uh, opposite dark passage. For we are, and this is a perfect joke for Sunset Boulevard. Flipping the script. Ooh, very nice. I like. Was it. Was that joke funny? Come back next week and find, <laughs> find out. Find out. Thanks everybody. Send us an email if uh, we peeved you off. You got something to say, or uh, you know, you like, to say. You know, yeah, you, be like, you like. tell us how much you love this movie because I, I hope you did. We we loved it. Um, the real out of the podcast at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at Out of the Cast and Instagram and Facebook at Out of the Podcast. Come join us. We're, we're posting. Join the discussion. Yes. We're a real message board, aren't we? <laughs> uh, eventually, maybe maybe we will. Maybe we'll get like a full-on uh, Reddit. You know, Reddit. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's what we're working towards, folks. So once, once we get to that point, then we know. But we need to be big enough where we're, we don't even check the Reddit, you know? Exactly. Like, like, at we're, this we're level, it's like, out. I'm looking. It's complete fandom at that point, and, and, we're, and we're out. Fandomonium. One day. Woo! Dreams. All right, guys. We'll see you there when we're dreaming it next week. Bye-bye. Later. <laughs>